The title of The King of Jazz, which Whiteman was billed as, seems somewhat politically incorrect these days. But in the 1920s, he dominated the scene and hired the best white-hot musicians. Whiteman and his orchestra were the most popular band of the 1920s and represented the apex of jazz to the general public. Over the years, critics and some musicians have not had kind words to say about the band and have tended to represent Whiteman as a bad influence on the music in his attempts to make a lady out of jazz. Welcome to Dead Wax 78s. I'm your host, Sean, and you know, this is the podcast where we're going to talk about old-timey music and performers and that old-time recording technology. Today's show is about Paul Whiteman and his orchestra, making a lady out of jazz. Paul Whiteman led a usually large ensemble and explored many styles of music, such as blending symphonic music and jazz, which greatly enriched American music, by, you know, commissioning people like George Gershwin to write Rhapsody in Blue, which became the orchestra's signature tune. He also discovered people like Bing Crosby and featured him in Paul Whiteman's Rhythm Boys. He also gave a career boost to people like Hoagy Carmichael by recording several of Hoagy's songs early in his career. Also, jazz singer Mildred Bailey also rose to fame in the orchestra in the 1930s. Whiteman's place in the history of early jazz is somewhat controversial. Detractors suggest that his ornately orchestrated music was jazz in name only, lacking the genre's uh, improvisational and emotional depth, and that he co-opted the innovations of black musicians. So what was it that was led to Whiteman's name being dragged through the mud in the annals of jazz history? Well, the most popular jazz band leader of the age is blamed for the racism in America that denied African-American musicians the credit that they deserved in the history of jazz. Defenders note that Whiteman's fondness for jazz is genuine. If there is such a thing as the king of jazz, the title belongs to Louis Armstrong. Although that may not have been clear to most people in the 1920s. Whiteman is also criticized for not hiring African-American musicians to play in his band. But this argument ignores the commercial realities of the period. Whiteman was clearly not racist. He commissioned Duke Ellington to write for his modern music series. He recorded with Paul Robson and Billie Holiday and hired Don Redman as a, an arranger in the 1930s and was generally held in high regard as a good person by both black and white artists. He worked with black musicians as much as was feasible during the era of racial segregation. His bands included many of the era's most esteemed white musicians and his groups handled jazz 
admirably as part of a larger repertoire. Here's part one, a 1927 Victor recording, My Blue Heaven. When we're and evening is long, I hurry to that can be leveled at Whiteman was that he was a businessman. His band was widely successful financially and quite often his music sounds commercial and sweet. Despite that, Whiteman made very good jazz records in the 1920s, such as uh, Washboard Blues, uh, Mississippi Mud, Whiteman Stomp, Wang Wang Blue, and I'm Coming to Virginia. His interest in making symphonic jazz led the way for generations of jazz musicians as diverse as Miles Davis, Gil Evans, and the modern jazz quartet, who may not directly cite Whiteman as their influence, but have certainly walked down the path that he blazed at points in his career. 
Now, Paul was born in Denver, Colorado, and he came from a musical family. His father, Wilberforce James Whiteman, was a supervisor of music for the Denver Public Schools, a position he held for 50 years. And his mother, Elfrida, was a former opera singer. His father insisted that Paul learn an instrument, preferably the violin. But the young man chose the viola. Paul's skill at the viola resulted in a place in the Denver Symphony Orchestra by 1907. Joining the San Francisco Symphony in 1914 and in 1918, Whiteman conducted a 12-piece U.S. Navy band, the Mar Island Naval Training Camp Symphony Orchestra after World War I. Then he formed the Paul Whiteman Orchestra. Here's part two. 1920 Whispering. Thank you. 
He moved his band to New York City, where they began recording for the Victor Talking Machine Company. The popularity of these records led to national fame. In his first five recording sessions for Victor, August 9th to October 28, 1920, he used the name Paul Whiteman and his Ambassador Orchestra, presumably because he had been playing at the Ambassador Hotel in Atlantic City from November 3rd, 1920. He started using Paul Whiteman and his orchestra. Whiteman became the most popular band director of the decade in a time when most dance bands consisted of six to ten people, Whiteman directed a more imposing group that numbered as many as 35 musicians. By 1922, Whiteman already controlled some 28 ensembles on the East Coast and was earning over a million dollars a year. In 1926, Paul Whiteman was on tour in Vienna, Austria when he met and was interviewed by a young, ambitious newspaper reporter named Billy Wilder, who was also a fan of Whiteman's band. Whiteman liked young Wilder enough that he took him with him with the band to Berlin, where Wilder was able to make more connections in the entertainment field, leading him to become a screenwriter and director, and eventually ending up in Hollywood. Paul signed with Columbia Records in May 1928, but leaving the label in September 1930 when he refused a pay cut. He returned to RCA Victor between September 1931 and March 1937. For more than 30 years, Whiteman, referred to as Pops, sought and encouraged promising musicians, vocalists, composers, arrangers, and entertainers. He provided music for six Broadway shows and produced more than 600 phonograph recordings. His recording of Jose Padilla's Maestro Padilla's Valencia topped the charts for 11 weeks, beginning March 30th, 1926, becoming the number one record of 1926. This is part three, and it happens to be the band's first electrical recording, 
beside the sea. Valencia, in my arms I held your charms beneath the blossoms high above. You loved me. In Valencia long ago we found a paradise of love. Whiteman appeared as himself in the 1945 movie Rhapsody in Blue about the life and career of George Gershwin. And he also appeared in the fabulous Dorsey's in 1947. Although giving priority to stage appearances during his peak years in the 1920s, Whiteman participated in some early prestigious radio programs. On January 4, 1928, Paul and his troops starred in a nationwide NBC radio broadcast sponsored by Dodge Brothers Automobile Company and was known as the Victory Hour. In the 1940s and 1950s, after he had disbanded his orchestra, Paul worked as a music director for the ABC Radio Network. He also hosted Paul Whiteman's TV Teen Club from Philadelphia on ABC TV from 1949 to 1954. In the 1940s and 1950s, after he had disbanded his orchestra, Paul worked as a music director for the ABC Radio Network. And he also hosted the Paul Whiteman's TV Teen Club from Philadelphia on ABC TV from 1949 to 1954. The show was seen for about an hour in the first two years and then changed to half-hour segments on a Saturday evening. In 1952, a young Dick Clark read the commercials for the sponsor Tootsie Roll on Whiteman's TV Teen Club. It proved to be an inspiration for the WFIL-TV's afternoon dance show called American Bandstand. He also continued to appear as a guest conductor for many concerts. Uh, his manner on stage was disarming. He signed off each program with something casual like... Uh, well, that's just about to slap the cap on the old milk bottle for tonight. And in the early 1960s, Whiteman played in Las Vegas before retiring. Now, on August 18, 1931, Paul had married for the fourth and final time to actress Margaret Livingston in a ceremony in Denver. Livingston was unable to have children and the couple adopted four. Paul lived at Walking Horse Farm near the village of Rosemount in Delaware Township 
Hutterton County, New Jersey from 1938 to 1959. And after selling the farm to an agriculturist, Lloyd Westcott, Whiteman moved to New Hope, Pennsylvania for the remainder of his life. Paul Whiteman died of a heart attack December 29, 1967, in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, at the age of 77. Here's part four, 1925 Victor, Charleston. The Charleston was the most popular dance of the Roaring Twenties. It was defined by a wild flailing of arms and legs and an exaggerated and comic facial expressions. Women who danced it were called flappers, as their movements looked like those of a bird flying away. The origins of the dance were distinctly black. And in the 1920s, it remained banned in more respectable of places due to its sexual charge. Yet the band seems to have made it even more popular and the Charleston came to symbolize the time. It was a 1923 composition by piano innovator 
James Jimmy Johnson. The song was picked up by every band leader across the United States, including Paul Whiteman, whose orchestra was the most popular of the time. Paul's 1925 version of Charleston for Victor is the quintessential Charleston song. However, Whiteman's legacy is problematic and he is particularly frowned upon for calling himself the King of Jazz, a term that undermined the black origins of the music. Thank you for listening. This has been Dead Wax 78. I'm your host, Sean, and I'll catch you on the flip side.